For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Morning, full send Friday the 27th of May. It's Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SCNZ. Welcome in, big show for you today. Wow, yesterday I spoke about the importance of Moana Pacifica and Fiji and Drua in Super Rugby. Today we'll hear from someone who has been a voice for the Pacific Island Rugby. Daniel Leo is the CEO of Pacific Player Welfare and he's on after 7 o'clock. Look forward to sharing that conversation with you that interview we had a chat to him yesterday so we'll hear from him after seven o'clock and then following that our Waikato stud racing catch-up we chat to Andrew Scott who was looking to go two from two with Dark Destroyer in the group one Queensland derby Dark Destroyer is uh, outright favorite at the moment over there and uh, at Eagle Farm on Saturday we'll chat to trainer Andrew Scott two from two and then after eight We'll chat with league legend, former Knights, St. George Illawarra, Melbourne Storm, Kiwis second row, Jeremy Smith, Jezza Smith, after 8 o'clock. Looking forward to having a catch-up with him and him. And then our Friday tipple, because it is Friday, we want to cheers the week. It's been a big week, a great week. There's been lots to chat about. And, well, let's be honest, there's even more uh, the conversation about today because yesterday was a big afternoon in sport. Lots going on with the Warriors. Amy Sathwaite, the Blues, naming a young squad. Oh, a bit nervous for you anyway. We'll rip into that throughout the morning. Um, Luke Romano is captain in the side. I'm going to change my around the grounds of Rainbird. I'm going to go the Waratahs over in, uh, at Leichhardt Oval. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, it's going to be a tough old one. Anyway, looking forward to ripping in throughout the day. That's enough from me. Cross over to Auckland and say morena to Uncle Kempi and Louis Herman Watt. We've got Jacob in the house. With Keza and Morena Aroha, and uh, hope you've run out there having a good morning so far. Morning, team. Morena, Izzy. Yep, Friday, mate. It's been a big week of sport, and wasn't yesterday one of the biggest days we've <laughs> had so far this year, mate? Oh, some news are coming out of Warriors headquarters, and uh, yes, the cricket. Um, Geez, the cricket lines have been going heavy to yesterday afternoon with some news. So, made plenty mm. to talk about today. Um, been up all morning thinking about how we're going to get through the show, and hopefully, Louis can manage and navigate his way through it in our bus as the as the driver and get this done. Um, but yeah, big big day today. Um, looking forward to it. 
It is, Izzy, a funny old Friday because mm. it's an exciting Friday. There's lots of sport and fun stuff, but there's also just a couple of absolute train wrecks that mm. we have to go through and search for all sorts of nasty pieces and see if there's any survivors in. Man, wow. That Warriors situation is about as shambolic as you could have, I can remember, from a privately owned sports team in, based in New Zealand. Since I've worked in sports media, this would be about peak. It's not the worst. Let's mm. not use recency bias, but this is about as ugly as it gets for no good reason. Mm. Like the Matt Lodge situation for no good reason. I mean, there's so many, there's so many get-off points before we got to this. There's so many stops on the train station to get off and move on or to solve this or to not let it escalate in the Warriors' history. But, um, yeah. Oh, well. Hey, uh, on the positive side of it, you've got a real scucks haircut today. <laughs> fresh cuts, eh? Yeah, I got a fresh cut yesterday, boys. Love my little Thursday catch-up with Jerome down here in Christchurch. Just got to get sorted um, for next week, lads. I'm uh, just about to launch my website. Just about to launch my website for my new um, hair company I'm, I'm launching. And uh, I'm excited, mate. I'm excited. I had to get a new haircut and uh, got a photo shoot next Tuesday. So I'm in the studio next Tuesday and Wednesday, lads. I'm coming up on uh, Monday night. I'll be there Monday, Tuesday. Uh, head home, back home Wednesday. Daisy's going to come up on Tuesday. I think we're going to go out for a nice dinner as a team and have a little catch up. So I'll bring uh, Mrs. Daisy Dag along to that. But yeah, got a photo shoot. So I had to kind of get the cut looking sharp and, <laughs> and scucks. It's an interesting situation, uh, Louis, I've got going on at the moment. Well, you've got a full head here, first of all. Well, that's it. That's how you nailed it, right there and there. Um, look, <laughs> the situation I had was before, I was had limited options. With my hair, I had very limited options. What could you do, Israel? You could straighten those little bits. Straighten it. You straighten those little bits that cover up your bald spot, and then that's it, really, because that's how you hide the bald spot. Now, now I can afford to grow it long at the front, so I had a little bit of a wavy fringe. Mm. So I went from the wavy fringe. I went in last night, and I was like, "Mate, we got options, Drew. What should we do?" (laughs) And he's like, "You know what?" You know Quade Cooper? And I was like, Quade Cooper? And he goes, have a look at his Instagram. I was like, sweet as. When he had a look, and I was like, so you want me to be a rap star? And he goes, yes, but no. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, so go look at Quade Cooper's Instagram, and I've got the Quade Cooper... We call it the Quade Dag now. We call it the Quade Dag kind of situation. The with Quade. The is, it, is it like a wide mohawk? Uh, it's just like a... It's just pretty much like a boxed-up, scucky front... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like fun. That sounds like something else, is he? I, I Official need... terminology a boxed up scucky scucky front. front. <laughs> we'll put that in the bulletin today. That's my challenge for the day. Is that is that is that your tagline across the front of your website? Get your scucked up front. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cupy, that's not a first book. Come be scucks like Dag. That's her. That's my, that's my headline. I have a Look. question, Izzy. Yes? Because when I hear you talking about here, it's quite oh. liberating. Okay. Because I feel like I can't. I feel like that would be, you know. But when I hear you talking about here, that's really liberating. I find that really liberating. Because remember the time you talked about a vacuum cleaner, I thought, you no know, hair straighteners? Yeah. Do you you have the hair? You really do. I, I do. I do. I've got... Um, you would have heard of the, the Dyson multi 
<laughs> Hair device? This is great. What? No, I hadn't. I thought it was a vacuum cleaner. So no, 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 no. See, there's a Dyson that Dyson brought out a hair, um, <laughs> hair device that's got um, a blow dryer in it. So what it does, it blow dries, it, and it's got different attachments. So you can put a brush, you can put a curler, you can put uh, a straightener. Do <laughs> so like, you find them in R18 schools? Or? <laughs> Go have a look. Go have a look at it. Aroha, you'll be amazed. Anyway, I've got one of those because... Let's be honest. You can. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of hair now. So. You can. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, could, you, could you grow a mullet if you wanted? I can grow. I can. Grow, I said to him yesterday, I was like, mate, well, the hair at the front's good. Should I just grow a mullet? And he goes laughing. And that like, would be well. a boxed up Skuxy back. <laughs> yeah, Skuxy back boxed up mullet. Oh. Get the Richie Moonga power mullet going. Oh, mate. Look. I'm, 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 I'm not being cocky here, but I just I got options. <laughs> He's loving it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you wear that. You wear that. Thanks, Adawa. Go have a look at that Dyson. You'll be amazed. They're fantastic devices. I must say. I must say. Anyway, that's enough plugging for them. Yeah, he sponsored. Enough plugging. Plug- <laughs> that's enough plugging for me. Hashtag um, gifted. But that's the situation, boys. I'm looking forward to coming up to Auckland next week and catching up with the team and having we have we sit down and and have we chat. Oh wow, it's pink. Oh, no, there's options. There's black. I've got a black and gold one. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Go, goes with that, uh, it goes with that bag, eh? Oh. That, that, that turn left it's, situation. It's just oh. gold. It is absolutely gold, the whole lot. <laughs> uh, great. It's great, Izzy. I love that you're so comfortable. And, and you know, far out. I mean, big gig getting a, another business off the ground. And, um, wow, exciting. I'm really looking forward to hearing about it next week when you're up. And mm. I've got definitely got a couple of mates, and they'll know exactly who <laughs> they are that, you know. Hey, you know how I'm being like this. Like, honestly, that's the whole reason I did this opportunity because um, as blokes, when we go bald, we are so self-conscious and we don't want to express our feelings. We never really want to be open about it. And a lot of guys that get their hair transplant like I had, they don't want to talk about it. So I, I felt like I've got a platform like we do here with sport and and trying to unravel everything and, and you know be a role model, kind of just lead them in the right direction. That's what I want to do with this is just be open about what my what I did and what it did for me and my confidence and just um, sharing that and hopefully um, some uh, some blokes out there, even even girls out there that are having their own little problems might be able to shed, them, shed the light on that and head them in the right direction. So obviously getting your hair is unimportant, but being open and, and transparent about it probably the key behind why I'm doing it. Yeah, good work, Izzy. That's... Um, uh a big, big um, uh, role that you're going to play there. Like I can see, Mark, I can see a thousand people coming in and, and cha- um, changing their life with what you're about to offer. So yeah, I'm, I'm like Louis, looking forward to, to, to talking to you about it next week. And mm. mate, one one day we'll um, we might see as you don't day. need it, Uncle. No, no, you don't mate. need it. <laughs> that's, wow. why that's why I'm sitting here just nice and quiet. <laughs> but if you need some, I'm quite happy for the. I'm quite happy to offer some every time I have a haircut, mate. Well, we've got Daniel Leo on the phone with so much discussion about the future of rugby on a global stage. Recently, it's easy to naturally wonder what the powerhouses want and expect. The reality is, though, smaller nations have a voice in this, and the game can't succeed without the support of the Pacific. Such key contributors to rugby, Daniel Leo is CEO of Pacific Rugby Welfare and a massive advocate for Pacific rights in sort and rugby. He's with us now. Talofa, Daniel. Hello, hello, guys. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show, mate. How are you going? I know you've been uh, pretty busy as of late. Um, how you been? Yeah, no, good. I've uh, moved back from the UK where the majority of the work I was doing uh, for the last sort of 10 years uh, was. Uh, before that, I was playing 
obviously over in uh, in England and France um, before going into player advocacy role and brought the family back to, to Queensland where I am now. And the, well, the supposedly sunny Gold Coast hasn't been that great for the last couple of weeks, but um, yeah, enjoying being back on this side of the world. And I've just started a uh, a welfare role here at the Queensland Reds as well, which is uh, building, uh, working with the Pacifica players, the growing amount of Pacifica players that are. Uh, here in Australia now. So, yeah, really um, exciting role and uh, yeah, um, just getting my feet stuck into that. Mate, how proud of you at the moment of uh, Fiji and Drua and the Moana Pacifica um, boys and what they have done so far this year? Yeah, they've done fantastically, I think. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, obviously, if you're looking at the um, at the, at the results, um, I think they've, they've been a lot closer than a lot of people probably would have imagined in, the, in their first mm. season. There's been a couple of blowouts, but... Um, you know that's probably to be expected, given that a lot of these players haven't really had that um, that been exposed to that level of rugby before. So the fact that they're there, um, you know, they're competing. Uh, both had a, had a win, which again is um, you know probably most you know most people would have said, look, it's going to be it's going to be difficult, particularly against um, you know a team like the Hurricanes or one of the beat. Um, you know, they've done really well, but as I say, you know, it's about exposing players to that level and uh, hopefully, we, you know, getting some knock-on effects into our, into our test teams, uh, you know, which is going to be huge. Hey, Daniel, do you think we're, cl- uh, we're gaining some traction here? Obviously, the inclusion of these two sides within Super Rugby, uh, the talks about the National Rugby Championship and the inclusion of the Pacific Island teams in a, in a North and South Six Nations style uh, competition. Do you think we're getting traction now? You've been at the forefront with World Rugby. You've been having those conversations week in, week out. Do you feel like we're getting there or there's just still uh, so much of a gap at the moment? Um, definitely making progress. Um, you know, the eligibility laws that were changed uh, earlier this year um, have given us a real boost to the discrimination. The fact that we can now draw upon uh, you know, the caliber of player like uh, Adam Coleman, you know, he's well been blocked. Uh, from America, he's just committed. Uh, but you know, guys like Nicky Falau, Charles Kirtel, these guys are you know these big names in the mix that are um, you know that now are talking Thomas. Um, and then, as you say, with this, these world league discussions, you know, um, they, they they tabled this competition idea three or four years ago. Uh, we weren't very happy with it, um, given the fact there was no uh, real progression path for the for the um, Pacific Island teams and no inclusion. But uh, that seems to have changed. So I think I think things are on the up. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of work to do in uh, in, in, in other areas, uh, particularly I think around the, uh, the way the game is finding. Um, but yeah, but, um, definitely progress and a lot to be um, to be excited about. Oh, that's really good to hear, Daniel. So, so there's a bit of equity sitting there um, in the decision making. What what does equity look like moving forward for the Pacific game? Is, are you running off the back of what rugby league um, has and to- the Tongans have done? in New Zealand and expecting more equity from the rugby side so that you're playing more in front of your own home crowds? Yeah, I think I think more games uh, more against uh, meaningful opposition. So, um, you know, particularly for, um, you know, the, the, top, the top tier of two nations, we need to be exposed to uh, tier one rugby um, and, and more often, you know. But, but for me, you know, I played for Samoa for 11 years, so I, uh, you know, and I still only had 30, 39 caps, you know. That was, mm. uh, I think, on, on average about three and a half games Per, per year, which just isn't enough to you know to get your uh, as you guys know um, you know team cohesion and uh, and all that sort of stuff. You need more, probably a, bit, a few more games than that, particularly uh, mm. against uh, higher caliber uh, opposition if we're able to improve. So that's that's one aspect, and I think as I touched on earlier, you know just the way that um, uh, you know where those games are is important for us. Obviously, you know uh, as the All Blacks found out in 2015, playing us in Samoa is very different. A different 
every game. That was very hot. Yeah. Oh. Um, yep. So it's, uh, you know, that's all those sorts of things, home advantage. And also, we want to be playing games in the islands, you know. We want to be teams that, you know, our, our, our public can reach out and touch and, uh, and, and inspiring the next generation of kids to actually play for, you know, for the Samoa Tongas and Fiji. Um, which, um, again, it's, it's been really difficult with COVID. Uh, we haven't been able to host any games in the islands for, for a number of years now. Um, but hopefully as things uh, free up and, as, as, uh, you know, as these, this new league comes into, into play, you know, we can we can get a few more games, even if some of the bigger, tour, uh, bigger European nations touring us in the Lions here, um, you know, as of their Lions stars, but, you know, it's still, you know, in England or France, uh, you know, um, coming to... Coming to Players in the islands is going to be huge for the game and, and the development there, just like the All Blacks was in 2015. Yeah, I played that game, man. Wow, that was hot, and the crowd was <laughs> just electric. The Manu Samoan team were on fire. Holy hecka, it was a tough game. We just got over the top in the end, but mate, I remember that vividly. Uh, it'll be great, great for the game to see the Englands, the Irish getting over to the smaller nations. Just on that, if we're, if we're going to have a competitive uh, Pacific Island teams, our Fijis, our Manu Samoans, our Tongan, our Tongan teams. Do you reckon we're getting to a stage now where the alignment between our nations, our uh, Pacific nations, and the clubs? Because I know up north, a lot of our players play up north. They play for the clubs, and there is that separation. Do you feel like if we're going to get there, there needs to be a real alignment between the clubs and the nations so we can get those teams to be fully strength when they are competing? Yeah, definitely. I think that's something that probably won't change too soon that, you know, the majority of the, uh, you know, particularly our quality players are going to be based in the Northern Hemisphere and that's just a market, uh, you know, uh, thing, you know, that's where all the money is and um, it's not just us that are feeling the, the impacts of that, it's, you know, the All Blacks now, the Wallabies, you know, this, uh, this, this drain to, to Europe and how we, I guess, we, we deal with that, um, you know, probably key right up there is resources, you know, the resources for our, for our coaching staff to be able to go and touch bases with players in the Northern Hemisphere and, and that's again where it's so pivotal that we get the uh, you know the financial um, equity in the game to be able to, to resource the PSG nations to be able to access and, um, and as they touch base and, and monitor um, our players. Um, it's very difficult to just bring them uh, bring them into a mix one or two weeks before a, a World Cup campaign, for instance. Mm. Um, that, that preparation that can start sort of you know three months in advance, and actually having access to those players, you know, to be able to run camps. And, uh, you know, in the northern hemisphere, you know, as the as the uh, you know as the Six Nations teams do, you know, it's not just about turning up into camp for the Six Nations. They have two or three um, week yeah. one week camps, but it's having access to those players as well. Um, you know, we don't have centrally uh, centralised models like the All Blacks do, where they have access to all of their the Super Rugby players um, throughout the, um, at various points throughout the season. So um, yeah, and all all of these things will come with a price tag. So. For me, the big, yeah. I guess the big um, driving factor over the next three or four years is that we um, we need to find a way that we can, um, you know, resource. Particularly Samoa and Tong, you know, Fiji are in a little bit of a different position. They get the, um, the majority of the World Rugby targeted funding now, uh, given that they've been the top Pacific team for the last uh, probably 10 years. Um, so they get they get a lot more funding from World Rugby than the other two nations. And they've got, you know, um, a strong tourism market, although that's taken a hit with, uh, with, the, with COVID over the past, um, uh, and they're always going to get bums on seats at their stadiums, um, a little bit more difficult um, situation for Samoa Tong, you know, with 300,000 combined population between the two, two, two nations, um, that, that's always going to um, uh, provide a challenge. 
Hey, Daniel, you raise a really good point here. Just quickly, um, on the equity, like there's uh, of of capital, like they've got plenty of human capital out of it, the unions and financial capital out of the pl- out of the the use of the islands and that. What about the players um, themselves? Are they looking? Uh, towards playing for their their given country, as opposed to uh, you know um, first and foremost having to play for a tier one country, or 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 is it just you know you do what you're told? Um, I think I think it's, it's a bit of both. I think um, a lot of players now players now particularly for, for Samoa and Tonga have um, come through the New Zealand system, um, and a pretty a pretty you know that that's the country that's given them the opportunity to develop their rugby. Skills in a lot of cases, whether that's come, you know, you know, like myself, I was born and raised in uh, in Auckland, um, you know, and then um, you've got players who have come over on scholarships um, at a young age, um, and New Zealand's going to be a big part of any um, conversation, um, you know, or any think, thinking process that you that you have, um, you know, you want to um, and, and and given the you know the, the strength of the, the All Black brand, the reality is that if you if you, if you get an All Black cap, you know. You basically chuck an extra zero on the on the on your contract value in, in Europe, um, and that's the you know that weighs uh, heavily as well. You know your your your, your longevity in terms of your career and, and you know how, how you can provide for your family um, moving forward. So yeah, but lots of lots comes into the question. I mean, we, we see the, the All Black brand power. I think the classic All Blacks played against Spain last week. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and and there was forty thousand people there. You know that yeah. you know um, um, you know if Samoa was to go and play Spain, you know two national teams. You know, we we'll probably struggle to get ten thousand. That shows some of the, you know, the um, the disparity that exists. But it also so shows us an opportunity for our unions to really that they really need to harness to build their brand. And this is what we just don't have at the moment is that brand power. You know that you know um, you know I think the the, the pathway you know and and and, the, and was was there in the early nineties for for Manusau more to be a really strong brand, but for some reason that hasn't eventuated, and that's the balls in our union courts that they need to develop that if we want to retain players, the players have got to feel like they're, you know, they're coming back to play for something, and that they're, that they're, that they're building something that's, um, you know, a bit of a legacy, and um, at the moment that's a, that's a real challenge for our unions, is just to harness that, uh, you know, that uh, that brand power and, and potential, I suppose. Oh man, you nailed it, you nailed it. They're a sleeping giant, man, in the Pacific. They are a sleeping giant, and once they get it right, the pathways of the community, we, we've seen, they've, 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 put, they've entertained us on the TVs, on the sidelines. As a young rugby player growing up, you know, I wanted to be Rupini Davao and Booker. I wanted to be Joe Rockefeller, you know, I wanted to be Inga the Winger, you know, Jonah Longu. So that, like, there's just so much uh, potential and, and, you know, power in the communities that is just waiting to erupt, mate. Daniel Leo. We um, appreciate you coming on our show, mate, and just sharing your insight. I know you're a busy man, as always. Uh, appreciate it, and uh, all the best for what the future holds. Thanks. I was going to ask you next question, what's your next goal? But I'm pretty sure it'll be something inspirational. <laughs> yeah, no, um, mate, I've got my, as I said earlier, I've got my uh, hands full with, uh, you know, helping develop, um, you know, Pacifica rugby here in Queensland. Um, you know, some really exciting prospects, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's um, probably you know a little bit um, similar to where New Zealand was maybe ten or fifteen years ago in terms of the, the communities here and, and be able to tap into that. But I just yeah, um, helping also to you know encourage players that there is a pathway not just to play for Australia but also for our, our Pacific Island nations as well for our uh, for, for those players of heritage. So yeah, now enjoying it, enjoying life, mate, enjoying the sun as well. Thanks for having me, guys. Beautiful, love your mahi, mate. Thank you very much. 
Well, he's played over 200 times in the NRL and more than 20 times with the silver fern on his chest, uncompromising and brutal, but skillful too. He'll like that jersey, he'll like the skillful part. A serious player was our man Jeremy Smith, and this weekend he sees his former Newcastle Knights lineup in one of the most important games of the round against the Warriors. Morena Jez, how are you, brother? Good morning, how are you? Yeah, good, mate. Hey, um, how's things? Tell us a little bit about what you're doing these days. Yeah, I'm just back up on the Gold Coast. Um, I moved back up here after the after I was at Newcastle, um, probably a couple of years ago. Just coaching um, my local junior club under twenties here. They're not going too bad this year, um, and just finishing off my third four in youth work. Oh yeah, busy so, man. Yeah, keeping busy. Keeping busy, keeping busy, and mate, you're. Um your Newcastle Knights, what do you think this year? Like, Joey came on at the beginning of the year, mate, told us that they're big contenders. What are your thoughts on how they're travelling so far this year? Oh, they're just hit and miss. Like, some weeks they're good, real good, and then other weeks they just can't put it together. You know, I just think they their, their game play, they can't play for 80 minutes at the moment. That's, that's their problem, I think. Um, and having such big names in their team and... and um, they just not firing, I suppose. You know, it doesn't help their cause when they're getting a few injuries as well. Um, but that's that's all teams across the board. But I just think they um, they sort of lack a bit of bit of punch and a bit of aggression up front. Across the NRL, Jeremy, um, that lack of aggression, like the top teams have that controlled aggression, but the teams that don't have it, you know they don't have it and they really miss it. And I'd put the Warriors in that category as well. Have you seen the game change that it's kind of more normal for teams to lack that controlled aggression? Or is this just not, are there just too many teams in the NRL that just don't have the right mix in their forwards? Yeah, I think there's a fine line between being aggressive and overstepping the mark. Um, now, I suppose it depends on what rest you get on the day too. That's um, certainly some sort of let it slide a bit more. Um, but some teams are just known for giving away cheap penalties. So I think the rest have that in the back of their mind as well. But like you're saying, like there's some teams that you know that are just they've got a soft underbelly, and you know if you keep at them for a, for a long period of time, they um they'll, they'll certainly give penalties away and and you know make easy mistakes for you. Well, you're cer- you're certainly one of those players, Jez, that got under people's skin. Just have you seen the cha- the change in the players' attitudes in and around, especially the ruck. Um, which you were heavily involved in in your playing days. You used to go in there and, and all sorts used to happen when you're in tackles and stuff. And it's interesting that you say you used to get away with it much more than um, anyone else when there's certain referees. Have you seen the difference in players these days when they're going in there? They're not so, I guess, a, a controlled and, and aggressive as in your day? Yeah, I think they are a little bit more controlled. Well, I suppose back in when I was playing, it was sort of that, those laws were sort of coming in. Um, but yeah, I just think that if you're going hard to make a tackle and you're aggressive and going hard, like you, you will get away with some like the, the littler stuff. But it's when you sort of work harder on the ground and and sort of take a little bit longer to get up. I think the refs sort of, you know, they, they have no, op- no no option but to give you a penalty away. But um, so I just think what like, some of them sort of hang around in the ruck and they don't sort of assert themselves as such. Um, but whereas if you're coming in hard, like you know, the referees he knows that you're coming in hard to sort of make a difference in the tackle and he sort of gives you a bit more time in the, in the ruck. Yeah, it's kind of committing to it, isn't it? With your coaching... Yeah, co- well... You go. No, where you go. 
Oh, I was just going with your coaching cap on and, and that in mind. Like, how do you how do you get that through to your um, under twenties boys about that kind of commitment and, and you know trying to use the way you're playing so that the referee can work with you rather than ref against you? I just think you just have to be on side with the ref right from the get go. You know, just sort of talk to them throughout the game and just let them know for the ref to keep talking to you. So you do work hard to get on side, and if he sees you're working hard. I think um, he's going to give you a benefit of the doubt, sort of more than fifty percent of the time. It, it just it, it's just on the ref clock. If the ref, if you give the ref a bit of bad attitude, he sort of turns his nose up again. You just start blowing his whistle. Mate, did you do the same thing back in your day that you used to do with me and phone him, like phone the referee up at six o'clock and say, "Get me down there and pay for my coffees. I want to have a chat there." Is that what you used to do? <laughs> so you got away with all that stuff in the ruck? <laughs> nah, nah. I'll tell you what I used to do, but like they used to start giving penalties away when, or giving me penalties, and I'd be running back on side and I'd step on their foot as I was going to turn around <laughs> to take off. <laughs> uh, yeah, you were, you that's, the the that's for the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. Uh, you were the best. Hey, let's let's uh, just change tack here and go to the Kiwis. What are you thinking, mate? What are you thinking of our Kiwi side? They're up against Tonga. Um, come the come the uh, the break in the origin. Have you seen the changes in the in the Kiwi team? You know, like we used to have a real steal, mate. We went through that real good period between 2010, 2013, where we hit the number one spot. You were a big part of that. Um, have you seen that there, there's a difference in the lack of steel in our Kiwi team, or do you think we can we can still get back to to that number one spot? Oh, I, I do see it. There, there are glimpses of it. it. It's just hard. It just depends on. Sort of what he's what team he's sort of looking at taking on board. You take a couple of old heads and uh, you mix them with the the bit of the the young blood that we've got there coming through now. And it's about, like, I suppose, getting them all to work together. And and that, that's how we sort of ended up where we did because we just knew you didn't have to really say too much to, to one another, but you just knew by looking at one another that you had each other's back. And I, I think they just sort of. I've lost part of that in the last couple of games that I've watched the Kiwis play. They, they're sort of there and mixing it up, and but they just can't hold on for long periods. Where yeah. Tonga, you know, they're, they're starting to get some quality players in their in their team, and they've played in big matches. And they, I suppose, when you play in big games, then you know, I suppose there's no bigger game than playing in your country. But you have to um, be able to perform for that full eighty minutes. I think the the, the Kiwis sort of just lack that in patches where. They they lapse themselves and for five or ten minutes and that's enough to put you know put points on the board and then you you're sort of running behind from the get go there. Yeah, and, and it's really important ages at test level not to not to switch off for those ten minutes because you come up against it and get too far behind. Mate, when you when you're sitting down, you've played in those big games, you know St George finals, Melbourne finals, um, wherever you've gone, Newcastle. You've done you know, that job in the middle of the park. When you, it's really interesting for me for players that have never been in and around the Warriors to get their perspective of when they're watching the game, what they see a miss in the Warriors um, team, which is our our number one team here in New Zealand. What do you see, Jez? What do you see missing? And what you know, if you were a player and you came to this club, you know, you'd be the first bloke I'd sign if you're still running around. What do you think you'd need to do to make them a, a week in week out winning team? Um. Oh. It sort of it's, it all starts with your forward pack. I, I think if you've got if you've got a good good go forward um, that work hard for one another, like I was saying before, they it, it sort of just takes care of the, itself. The, the back sort of sort of look after themselves. It's um, 
just like just like I was saying before, like lapses in concentration there because the Warriors can be anything on their day, um, and they're enjoyable to watch. But the little mistakes, like coming out of your own end, coughing up the ball or forward passes, you know, that's a big. Oh, that really frustrates me when they sort of start throwing four passes. I'm like, can't you sort of time you run a bit better? And oh, I suppose that's just. The, the, the little finer details of the game where you have to sort of concentrate on what you're doing and I suppose making tackles is the same too, like not hitting someone high and getting back on side and just making that little extra effort will certainly change. It changes your team and once you sort of get on a run of a few wins, you end up becoming like you just know the routine of what goes on and I think they just sort of, they lack a bit of, Direction as such as as leaders. Like, I know they got Matt Lodge. He, he rolls up his sleeves. I, I don't mind him as a footy player. He sort of gets in and gets the work done. Yeah, well, he's just, just gone. Sort of, he's just he's just packed his bags and left. Has he? Yes, <laughs> mate. He's taking seven hundred k with him out of the salary cap, Jeremy. How crook is that? Shit. <laughs> well, I didn't know that. Well, there you go. Well, that's your... Is he still under 20? Can I sign him? <laughs> <laughs> under 20 stone? No, he's not. <laughs> yeah. Hey, mate, I, 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 hear, I, hear, I hear you, though, Jez. You know, like it all, all starts in the middle of the pack. And, um, you know, geez, people people who know who Jeremy Smith is is why his name was always the first one on the on the sheet because not only did he stand on referee's feet, but he, <laughs> he would tune you up if you didn't pull your weight in the middle of the park. I've heard it firsthand. Um, mate, just yeah. before we let you go, your coaching, I, I guess I'm so glad that we haven't lost you to the game. You have future aspirations of getting to the NRL one day? Yeah, well, not at this stage. I think, like, for me, is developing these young kids to – be able to come through and we got we got Billy Heads and Tweed Heads up here and um, Logan's not too far so the state league for the boys is sort of the next step for them so just trying to prepare them for what to expect when they if they want to make that next step um, but for me you know just watching the younger boys develop throughout throughout their like, their young career is um, it, it's good enough for me at the moment I'm, I'm happy just to be doing that and help, helping our younger boys come through and or give them a, uh, a goal to, to try and achieve. Well, mate, I can't wait to get up to the Goldie and you can start paying back all those coffees and beers that I bought for you um, one day yeah. soon. Uh, but, mate, go well, go well, Jez, and, and uh, wish you all the best with your your uh, your career with, with your team up there in the under-20s. And, and thanks a lot for coming on the Izzy and Kibby Breakfast Show this morning. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. I'll uh, definitely let, let me know when you're up here. I'll uh, try and share your coffee, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a good Jez. See you soon, mate. All right. See you, boys. Just when you think you've seen it all, um, the Warriors scandal, that's not a scandal, the Warriors uh, yesterday had to address a, Autonomous a, bus. an ugly situation, Izzy and Kempe, where <laughs> they have paying Matt Lodge $700,000 to no longer be at the Warriors club. There were lots of eyebrows raised when they signed him. We know his history, thuggish behaviour. Um, he's never really showed that he's that good of a bloke. And well, Mark Robinson at a the owner of the Warriors at a hotel. I mean, now I think there's probably questions been asked about his character. He found out firsthand that you don't want to go toe to toe with Matt Lodge because, as they said, well, it was a couple of alpha males just staring it off. Bizarre, bizarre, bizarre scenes from the Warriors. And this was Cameron George yesterday addressing why they have paid him the seven hundred thousand dollars to move on. 
the end of the day, um, what I can say on behalf of the club is that we agreed to terms that, you know, takes into account the service to the club and, and any contractual obligations we had. So, um, you know, Matt had a, an option next year. We effectively bought that option out because he still could have taken it up. And we just wanted to move on in different directions. And it's not the first time we'll do that. It's not the last time we'll do that. And we're not the first club to have done that. Um, there's many players that that happens. Kimpy. I'll get Izzy's reaction in a second, but I still don't understand this. Am I slow? Am I missing something here? Why, if Matt Lodge has a player option, would you pay him his $700,000? Was Matt Lodge threatening to come back and play for the club next year and they would have had to have him? Did they just want to get rid of him that badly? Why would they pay him? Yeah, look, that that could be one reason. Another reason could be that there's something else that... um had to be signed off in, a, in an agreement that happened that they don't want to to be out there in the public domain. The 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 comments from Cam were really unusual. Service to the club, I think he's played fourteen games or something like that and two suspensions. You, can, you know, it sort of just doesn't stack up. The the whole conversation yesterday in and around. Um, and if you if you're happy to sign, like we're really happy with with, with signing him, you know. So well, if you're happy with signing him, then why isn't he still here? Look, it's um, does he regret signing Matt Lodge? He says no. I think he regrets it 100. percent That's the only reason he's buying him out in his final year. Um, 700k in his final year. Look, for me on the other side of it, I, I just feel like Matt Lodge was poison. I feel like Matt Lodge was poison for that environment, for that culture. For the young ones coming through, and they had to get rid of the poison going forward. This was their only option to get him out of that culture environment where he's constantly going to be a pain. He's going to be bringing the players down. He's going to be uh, doing things off the field that would distract players. And it's just not a good look for an environment that's trying to perform at the highest level. This is probably the only option, and it just sounds like they had no other options, so they bought him out. And I, I look I, on the other side of it, it's not ideal, but I commend them for making that decision. They had to get rid of the poison going forward. Okay, I hear that, Izzy. Uh, so Matt Lodge is one side of the equation. Terrible mm. bloke by all accounts, counts, you're right. Toxic in the environment. Now, you have to look at the other side of the ledger here, though, because this cannot be Matt Lodge on his own. Mark Robinson mm. gave an interview to the Daily Tar- Telegraph yesterday while his CEO, Cameron George, was looking at the press, trying his hardest to explain mm. the situation. And, Matt, and Mark Robinson, the owner of the club, said, we had an argument in a hotel, two alpha males in a pub last December. Two days later, we shook hands and moved on, but it never came right. Well, that's some argument. Plus, he didn't want to come back to New Zealand next year. He was unhappy, so I bought him out of his player option next year, and we parted ways. Fundamentally, that sentence is broken. I bought him out. Mm. Well, no, you didn't buy him out. The club brought him out. I understand you own the club, but this hurts Warriors fans. It hurts Warriors players. It hurts Warriors staff. This is what Cameron George said about the salary cap. Uh, all I can say is that um, the settlement was agreed upon, and it's and it's something that uh, we're very comfortable with, and it sits uh, well within our um, our salary cap uh, over the next you know, season and a half. How is that possible, Kimpy? Well, it's not. It doesn't sit comfortably in a salary cap when you're when you're handing over that much money because it's a player and it's a decent player at that level. I, I said it yesterday, Brandon Smith was eight hundred grand. You're hundred grand away from Brandon Smith and bringing him to the club. That that's the that's the argument. So, you know, that that whole conversation that you're saying, I bought the club well, I, I thought Ortex owned the club. I don't 
know if it's an individual. Like, what is the what does the board of Altex think about all this? But 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 that aside, what what does what's Cameron George's role? Like, you have a you have a you have a CEO. Like, Rizzi brought the conversation up. Nick Politis at Sydney City owns Sydney City. All right, you've got. Um, Russell Crowe at South Sydney. So he's not the only owner in the competition, but I'm, I'm not seeing the other owners portraying um, their clubs the way that, that Mark's portraying the Warriors. <laughs> Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Well, you've heard it here a lot of times, especially from Izzy, about getting the right seats on the bus, knowing your role. And I'm going to bring it up today. Who is driving the Warriors bus? The famous Jack Gibson once said, talent is secondary to where the players are confident. And yes, where's some talent, but confidence is everything. And currently the club must be at an all-time low with what's going on with Matt Lodge. And I'm going to have to chuck Channel uh, Channel um, Harris-Tavita in there as well. Look, there are seats on the bus, but who's the driver? Is the bus... If the bus is the Warriors... It's looking like, to me, Louis, an autonomous bus. It's being driven by the club. The CEO, the CEO needs to be the driver. Cam George, step up. All right, own the driver's seat. The captain leads the players off the bus. Captain, let's, let's see you do that, and especially on the football field. And yes, you have to ask yourself, absolutely, don't, do we regret signing Matt Lodge in the first place? Is that, is that really... A regret, or is he really being honest and saying he doesn't regret signing him? Also, you have to wonder with Chanel Tavita Harris, would he be so disgruntled if he was playing for Melbourne? Ask yourself the question, Cam George. I'll just say this: jump back in the driver's seat. The back fence with Tony Kemp. Kemp, are you saying that the bus has been driven by the owner? Hundred percent. Yesterday, I heard uh, through the through the media the conversation from the owner, and he basically was. The owner, the CEO, and the captain. Mm. All in one conversation. That can't work, can it? Of course it can't work. <laughs> of course it can't work. You know, I, I know Elon Musk is, is going to bring out an autonomous bus, but at the moment the Warriors have one. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.